Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Odds, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to Out of Oz, a Building 28 Church podcast where we confront the fantasies and fallacies of modern day Christian culture with compassion, conviction, and courage. I'm your host, Peter Tregos, for today's episode. And we have, as always, Pastor Aaron. And it feels like, as always, Pastor Aaron. It is, as always, this season. (laughs) As always, at this season. And we're talking about why people hate us today. Fake news. Uh, but not us specifically. That's for <laughs> another episode. There's way too many reasons we did not <laughs> that's, that's another episode. Christians we're, generally. We're talking about Christians in general. And by by in general, we mean really, really broadly. Um, why do people hate Christianity as they understand it, particularly here in the West? I mean, it could expand all over the world, but to our context here in the United States. Why do people hate it? Why do people hate Christians? specifically as well. So across the centuries, the popularity of Christianity has fluctuated depending on context and circumstance, but it is only in modern times that the reputation of Christianity has so widely fallen under censure and hate for the most part. I mean, at least this broadly. So with the kingdom of God rolling forward on the proclamation of the gospel, yet with the gospel message increasingly becoming white noise and I would say even hate speech, deemed hate speech at times. The critical question before us stands, why do so many people hate us, Adam? We're going to try to answer that today. (laughs) Yeah. So here we go. We will try. We've talked before the episode, obviously, on the number of different ways this can go. There's legitimate reasons and illegitimate reasons. To start, I think, while listening to our discussion, it's always important to have definitions for things that we go for. Yes. Yeah. And I had somebody text me after the Hill to Die On episode saying, oh, yeah. I disagree with your definition of Hill to Die On. I was like, then I guess you probably stopped listening to the episode at that point. Whatever. So <laughs> Why do I love people him hate he's, Christians? He's, exactly. <laughs> uh, he's a good dude, but I didn't even respond. I was like, Whatever. I reject your reality and substitute my own. Okay. So define hate. Okay. Because as I'm thinking about oh, it, I think good, we may have different, different definitions of hate because- I'll let you guys go. So Adam, start. Define hate. When we ask why do people hate Christians, what is the definition of hate there? So it could be many things. I mean, not, I mean, it's, it's a simple question, but that also could be answered in a bunch of different ways. In, this, in the simplest form, hate, someone could say, I hate you, I hate that, simply because they disagree with it. Mm-hmm. They find it not plausible for themselves. That's probably the on one extreme or the simplest. The furthest extreme is probably like, I hate you, everything you stand for, everything that you are, therefore I will kill you. So hate can mean all sorts of things. But when it comes to Christians, hate, it's it's probable that that's a different question. So hate can be seen in a bunch of different ways, but it's probably those are the two ends. The majority of hate falls somewhere in between, probably when someone has said, I hate Christians. Can you give us a better definition than that? That was basically what it's not, what he doesn't think it is. Yeah. <laughs> Here are two I definitions. Mean, I think it's in the middle of them. I mean, I do think that, that Adam's touching on that when one person says, I hate Christianity, that might mean something entirely different than when another person says, I hate Christianity. When I say I hate cauliflower, it's a lot different than saying I hate sexual predators or uh, you know, sex trafficking. Um, there's a big difference. One, I just avoid. I'm like, oh, I'll just cut that out of my life, um, which is what some people do with Christianity. 
They're like, oh, I just don't see any point to it. I don't really hate it. If I say I hate it, what I really mean is I'm just kind of like, I just ignore it. Like, whatever. If it helps you sleep better at night, if it's your crutch to lean on, that's fine. And then there, there's a rising true antagonism, whether it's from anti-theist circles or agnostic circles or scientific community or whatever. I see a lot of it in post-religious circles where there's there's an actual, we think this is causing harm to individuals. We see this, this is as, ruining society. As predation, like yeah. on people. And so because of that, um, we will take very strong militant stances against that. And I think that's more so what we're going after, but I think we're really trying to encompass all this that there is a there is kind of this groundswell throughout our culture today of at the very least that Christianity is irrelevant now. And it's just, I think because I'm a pastor and I've been, I'm entrenched in the evangelical world that I just think about Christianity a lot. But then when I do talk about my non, to my non-Christian friends, they're like, man, I just don't ever even think about it. Like, I don't even think about Christianity. I don't even think about God or the gospel or any of this stuff. Like, it's just so like, like I said in the outset, white noise in them from there all the way to you're brainwashing your children, you're, you know, raising little zealots who are going to hate the LGBT community, or they're going to be crusaders, much like you see back in the 10th, 11th century. So it, it's that whole realm. And so it's, it is hard to Adam's point to, to say this is what we mean by hate, because I think it's defined differently by every single person. Yeah. And I think, but as we talk in our episode today, we're going to have a definition in our head of hate. And when we describe how people hate, and we'll do, I'm sure we'll give qualifications as we discuss it. But to me, I think we're going to all kind of stick to disgust, vitriol, like like you're saying, you're ruining kids, you're yeah. brainwashing kids, you're hurting yeah. the country, you're mean to other people, you hate other people, so we hate you. Not necessarily disagreement. Now, disagreement can lead to that, and most people that hate Christians will also disagree with them. But I think that disagreement is a very different level of hate, and in our modern non-savage society. Hopefully it doesn't lead to killing, although I'm sure some people want to kill Christians. So we're kind of in that disgust, vitriol, mean, nasty hate. That's which is, kind of what we're, our definition is. Which is probably where we should stick because if if you're not in that camp, the disgust camp, and you're, you're just in disagreement, you're not going to be very loud about the disagreement. But if you are exactly. in the disgust, right. you're going to be almost in a sense evangelistic about campaigning against these things. I was told recently within the last few few months, it is child abuse to, uh, someone was accusing us of this, it's child abuse to raise your kids to teach them the Bible. Because how dare you tell them something is true when they should arrive at their own worldview. And yet here- Which is itself a worldview. Right. So. And I was like, well, you you tell them one plus one is two, right? How how dare you teach them a mathematical worldview? <laughs> you know, things well, there's, like this. There are and family, it was, there was some like real disgust happening. And I was just like, wow. There are arguments in family law cases that you are doing a disservice to your child and your child shouldn't stay with you because you've brought them up in a way not to recognize and understand alternative lifestyles. Yeah. Where like one parent has, you know, had a same sex relationship and left their marriage with kids mm-hmm. And that's what they'll tell the court is that they're like brainwashing them to hate me because they grow up in a Christian home. They go to a Christian school and it's like, yeah. so that that's what I'm talking about. That's kind of where it feels like society's going sometimes with Christians, sometimes legitimate, sometimes not. So let's kind of differentiate between some legitimate reasons why people hate Christians that Christians should be okay with and maybe even agree with. Um, and then we'll get to the illegitimate reasons that Christians maybe need to 
self-check and see how they're acting themselves to deserve this hate. I think there's only one legitimate reason, honestly. I I'm glad you're going to define this first because I'm a little confused on what we might call legitimate versus illegitimate. Go ahead. But okay. go ahead. The, you start. The, the one, in my opinion, I could be wrong. I don't think I am. But the one legitimate reason on why Christians should be hated by the world is because Jesus said that this would happen. He said, all people will hate you because of me. So this is just a simple truth that Jesus said will be true of his followers. He, he also, though, said that the world will know you follow me because your love for one another. That's also in there. But insofar as it's the truth of the gospel, what's contained in the scripture, the substance of our faith, Christ-centered, grace-based, gospel-saturated, insofar as that's the thing that's offensive, we should be okay and seek solace and peace that the world will hate us because of these things. That's a legitimate reason why the world should hate us. Insofar as it's the truth that's the offensive thing, not us that's the offensive thing. Can, can we make that distinction? Yeah, no, I think that's what I was going to say is there's two aspects to Christianity. There's two aspects of people's hate. There's belief and there's behavior. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's the two aspects here. I think the illegitimate we're getting to has to do with behavior. Because let's be honest, most people are not going to hate Christians if they're behaving according to what Scripture calls us to, meaning behaving. Like we are loving our neighbor. We're yeah. love, right. loving others right. more than we love ourselves. Like the Roman Empire didn't try to put out Christianity because of their behaviors in the first <laughs> three centuries. It was because their beliefs. Right. And so the legitimate reason why the world would hate us in conjunction with Jesus said, which is a very broad definition of hate. Is, Jesus is basically is. saying they're, they're, everyone's going to hate you, but not in this to the same degree, not on the same right. level. Same way you should hate your brother and your, yeah, sister, like, your mother, like, your father. So, so, I think that has to do with belief. And by belief, we don't just mean once again, like a mental ascent to something, but like a life dedication to that. So, yeah. so take, for example, the LGBT community who we love and true Christians should try to serve and, and respect and honor. People do not marginalize or even hate Christians because of a Christ-like way of treating or behaving toward the LGBT community. They hate Christians because of a belief about what Jesus said and what the apostles wrote concerning a homosexual lifestyle, which comes down to this idea of, of disagreement. You, you mentioned it, Peter. You mentioned it, Adam where disagreement now is hate speech in our day, which makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Being able to d disagree philosophically and ideologically and have rational conversations um, has been a hallmark of, you know, Western society for, for centuries. Yeah. And now just in the last two decades, really, it has become if you disagree with me, mm -hmm. you're hateful now. I mean, I would argue, I think you would argue as well. Everything, I'll sue you for emotional damage. Yeah, everything that we do, everything that we do in this life, I believe, comes from a, a philosophy that we ascribe to, from a deep-centered belief. And so how I raise my kids comes from what I believe is best for them. Or uh, even in moments of stress, how I act out of that stress is because m my mind has convinced my body that this is what is needed um, to act a certain way. And so I think that there's everything kind of flows from belief, which opens up a whole different direction this morning that we can get into if we want to. But if Christians are, are behaving a certain way that is anti-biblical, it would seem to indicate that they're not believing what is biblical. But I think that yeah, when true. Jesus says true. the world is going to hate you, he's not talking about how we behave 
at least not in a righteous and genuine and loving way. He's talking about what we believe. He's not the giving you a license that. to be a jerk. Yes, no. He's no. not saying go and that's I think where we'll eventually people be, get to. People be like, yeah. people be like, well, you know, they're just like they're just the world's like, gonna like, hate me. I yeah, can be yeah, a jerk. I gotta, like, I gotta stand up and say this and be rude to that person because Jesus told me the world's gonna hate me. Yeah, like, I mean, to me, I'm just like you know, they're just a crappy employee or right. uh, a turd of a friend, and they're like, um, if I'm honest, they just are, and then they're like, well, the world. Jesus said everybody's gonna hate me, and I'm like. No, everybody hates you because you're a word I can't say on the podcast. Like, you know, just <laughs> I, like, no, that's that's not a legitimate reason. Legitimate reason is um, that we believe in the resurrection mm-hmm. and the world cannot scientifically wrap their minds around that. So they hate or that, that there's such a thing as male and female or that. Yes. As we'll get into yeah. on a on a. Like upcoming podcast, such things, like all these beliefs that are very deep to a core of, of Christianity, which also are linked to, okay, so here in our state, like that, that whole bill just passed, DeSantis passed this bill and, and people are up in, some people are up in arms about that, but it comes down to a belief mm-hmm. and a philosophy of how you see life that is causing all this issue. So it, ironically, we live in this day where so many modernists want to deny that philosophy and faith are important and it's just about what you do. And yet at the same time, what they get most upset about is philosophy and faith. Because that because that yeah. that dictates what you do. Yeah. They apply to everyone else rules that they do not apply to themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the major belief most people hate and turn away from Christianity is because it is a religion of submission and dying to self and not praising yourself and doing whatever you want to do and doing whatever makes you feel good, which in today's day and age, you know, like in the olden times, that was always seen as bad. You know, you should always deny, but now it's like the opposite. Don't deny yourself anything. And if anybody does deny you something or tells you to deny something, they're wrong and they're being, you know, oppressive and all this. So I, I do think that's a big belief difference that people hate about Christianity I, and again, I don't really know if we're going to call this legitimate or illegitimate reasons for hating <laughs> Christians, but um, I think it's legitimate and normal for them to hate, I guess I should say fake Christians, right? Because the hypocrisy and the piety of some people breeds some of this hate. And I do think that real Christians and people who profess to be Christians but are not really help and build the stereotype of what people hate about Christians. So let's talk about that. Talk about whether you think that's legitimate or not legitimate and why. I think it's very legitimate. I mean, I take an issue like inclusivity or exclusivity, okay? Like that you're either part of something or you're excluded from that. And that's a legitimate and an illegitimate reason, meaning this. The legitimate is that if you've trusted in Jesus, then you are a part of something by faith in him, part of the body of Christ, part of the bride of Christ, part of the universal church. And if you have rejected Jesus if you want to call it this of your own will, then you're outside, you're excluded from. People hate that, but that's a very legitimate exclusivity. And we would understand that in so many realms today. I'm excluded from, I don't even know what you call it, Peter, but like lawyers association or whatever. Just, Correct. Because I haven't you taken can't, my, You can't cross the bar. I, no, no, I can't. <laughs> I, no, here's the thing. Like I, I haven't submitted myself to that rigorous training and academia and the testing that takes. And so I'm outside of that. People get that in so many realms. Like they're outside of, they don't have, they don't have a master's degree. They don't have a doctorate because they haven't submitted themselves to that, to be a part of that 
echelon of society. If, if you submit yourself to Jesus by faith, that's the beautiful thing of the gospel is anyone's welcome to come. It's open to anyone, come, be a part of the family. But if you refuse that, then you're outside of your own choosing, outside the body of Christ. What I say, the disingenuous side of that is when we exclude people from the family of faith for non-biblical or convictional reasons, mm. uh, meaning that- For our own reasons. Yes, for our own we reasons. Would, we would things we have like added the, to Like the, the Pharisees did, like yeah, where they're like, oh, it. you're not good enough. Like you're not right. And then the world- Or you don't dress like don't, this. You don't look like this. I don't blame them. You like drink beer. You I, can't be a part of this. Yeah, heck no. So you even take one issue like inclusivity or exclusivity, which, you know, they're brothers. And, and you look at that and you go, are we- including people for the right reasons, mm -hmm. which some Christians are not, are we excluding people for the right reasons? It's almost every issue you can take and look at it from both sides of this and go, there's a legitimate reason why people would be like upset. And then there's an, Ill and that's why I said earlier, I'm a little confused on this because right. we talked about illegitimate for them to be upset is the legitimate reason for us. Illegitimate for us would be legitimate for them. But nuance is yeah. helpful. Yeah. So it's anyway, helpful. that's just one of the things that, that I see in, yeah. this, in this conversation. Well, we could do the same thing with the issue of hypocrisy. You mentioned it. I think there's a legitimate and illegitimate bent to this as Correct. well. I agree. The legitimate thing is for the outsider, the, the non-Christian, the world to look at a Christian, know that they're not supposed to be doing certain things that... God and the Jesus are against that Christians should be against yet it's in the news. It's scandalous. It's all these other things. We see public falls all over the place that ought to give some kind of sense in the real world. Gosh, even those Christians aren't as they ought to be. We'd hate them. They're all hypocrites. There's, there's a legitimacy to that. The illegitimacy to this is the world's expectation that the church should be flawless and should be perfect because you're should never be anti-biblical because right. it says we're going to sin. It says we yeah. are sinners and are going to sin, but they still expect. And I agree. That's an illegit. Yeah. There's two ways, right? It's totally ways. legitimate to hate people for being hypocrites. Yeah. Yet we're going to fail. We all say we yeah. are and we all yeah. believe we are. But when it happens, everybody's so shocked. Right. But I think that both of those examples, and I'd like to get into more of them because I think that's kind of a good discussion point for people to think about like, yeah, that is why people hate us. It's fair, it's not fair, whatever. But I think it really comes down to how you are exclusive as a Christian <laughs> and how you deal with the hypocrisy or how you talk to people so that when you fail, meaning, are you exclusive in the way, like Aaron was saying, where it's like, you're not good enough or you're too poor or you don't look the way we want you to look for our you church. You didn't vote for the right yeah, candidate. Yeah, you didn't vote for the right candidate, whatever. Are we exclusive that way or are yeah. we exclusive in the way that, oh, you're not? Come with us. Come right. in here. Come alongside us. Because that's still exclusive. You're not. We want you to. Come in. Come sit in church. Come to the new members thing. Yeah. Learn about. That's yeah. a good way to be exclusive, right? There's still exclusivity there. Sure. And then with how you live your life and how, you know, pious or not pious you are makes a big difference that when you do fall because you will, how that hypocrisy can turn into, I mean, you call it hypocrisy, but in reality, in humility and in discussing and saying, yeah, this happened to me. No, I can't be a pastor anymore if you're a pastor or, you know, dealing with the life consequences of sin and falling. I think people could see that. And that should be a reason they love Christians and respect Christians versus usually what Christians want to do is lie, cover it up, get back on top as quick as they can, pretend like it never happened, sweep it under the rug. 
then that's a legitimate reason to hate totally. people. Because at that totally. point, we're disregarding repentance, forgiveness, conviction, all of that as yeah. Christians, which is what we preach. That's the hypocrisy. Yeah. It's not that we sin. It's how we deal with the sin once it happens. Okay. So on the hypocrisy issue, I think there's a couple of nuanced conversations that Christians need to hear. One is if I went to a physician's office, right? I'm in there and they've run some tests or whatever. I'm trying to find out what's wrong with me. And the doctor comes in his white coat, starts talking to me. And then he like reveals to me halfway through a conversation. Hey, I, I didn't, it's kind of like a holiday Inn commercial, but like I didn't go to, <laughs> I didn't go to medical school. I'm not an actual doctor. I stayed for a little while. I got kind of bored with it, but um, I know at least a little bit. I know enough. He's speaking things into my life that are like critically important concerning my Ready health. for me to catch you up? Uh, yeah. So to, to me, I'm like, any of us would go, no, no, no. The reality is, and I, I get that like not everyone listening, most people listening are not paid professional theologian pastors, but at the same time, there is the, Paul's command to Timothy, even though it's to a pastor, I think applies to all Christians to study to show yourself approved of God. And I think there's a colossal ignorance in Christianity today that is confusing not only Christians, but it's confusing those who are watching and listening to Christians. And um, so what we're doing is we we literally, so to speak, have people's lives or souls kind of in our hands, humanly speaking, in, in the sense of we're shaping them, we're, we're supposed to be distilling the gospel to them. And yet we're very, I think a lot of Christians are just very haphazard with how they go about like representing hmm. the God who can shape souls. And and we bought into so many cliches and so much corny garbage from Osteen to Fertig to Meyer to whoever, that now we just kind of regurgitate this stuff that doesn't even make sense. So what happens is people are listening to us and we say things like Christians aren't perfect, they're just forgiven, whatever that might mean to the observer who reads the bumper sticker. We say that on the one hand, it's just we're not perfect. But then you'll hear people go, we're not sinners anymore. We're not, we're not sinners anymore. Like we're saints now or we're sons mm -hmm. and daughters. We're not sinners anymore. That's, that's confusing within the church to people because on one hand you're going, okay, we're, we're not perfect. And yet now you're saying basically we're perfect. Like that's confusing inside the church, let alone outside the church. And so then when people start throwing the, the weapon of hypocrisy our way, we can't answer because I think, and I've talked about this before in the podcast, I think one of the things in modern Christianity that has been just completely ignored is positional versus perfect versus practical, you know, righteousness, standing, whatever within the church. Like meaning that, that in one sense, we are not perfect practically, but yep. positionally we are. Yep. But people can't just simplify that and kind of boil it down for people. So I think ignorance is one of those things when it comes to hypocrisy that's that's damaging us. We need to know the word and like be able to explain the word. I think the other thing is a horrible definition of hypocrisy. Everyone's inconsistent at times. Like Peter could be like, hey, don't yell at your wife. And then Peter gets mad and like yells at Whitney. Okay. And he's wrong in doing that. He would admit he's wrong. That's not hypocrisy. So like if... If Adam gets up and preaches on humility and then gets really arrogant over infant baptism or something, you know, um, you know, he's he's failing to be consistent with his profession. That's not hypocrisy. Hypocrisy very clearly biblically is pretending that you never yell at your wife when you actually do. Telling your church you don't have a struggle with arrogance and pride when you actually do. That's hypocrisy. It's covering up instead of just failing. I think that distinction is really, really important. For Christians and non-Christians, we can't hold each other to a standard that's impossible of saying um, they're not living what they think is true or what they think is important or what they're saying you should believe or how you should live. Like none of us do. None of us do. And anyone who's pretending they do is hypocritical. What about the issue, Adam, of Christians pushing their 
beliefs and agendas on other people as opposed to just, you know, you do what you want to do, we'll do what we want to do, and you know, everybody will be happy and everybody's mm. fine. Because I think that's something people hate about Christians. There's the kind of Christian that I think would fall into the Romans 14 category of the weak brother or sister, where all their Christianity seems to be about not only what they're against, but a critical, contentious spirit where all that anyone who encounters this individual experiences is scruples. Like, we know from the first two minutes of meeting this person exactly what they believe, exactly what they don't believe, who they voted for, where they stand on this, where they don't stand on this, and how if you don't agree with them on every little single thing that they're really pushing you to believe in, then they're just going to chalk you out as not a part of their club. And Paul would say that's the weak brother or sister that the strong brother or sister within the church should love and be patient with and bear with. But though to the outsider looking in, this person is a horrible representation of Christ who is gentle and lowly, and it's a blatant contrast between a contentious spirit who's all about scruples and wanting to push their own convictions and all these things onto other people, and Christ, who did stand for the truth, but in a gentle and lowly manner. The other night we came out of Perkins, we met some people there for dinner. I don't go to Perkins very often. Oh, but uh, Perk in the restaurant? <laughs> kids, 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 eat, kids eat free. <laughs> Monday I thought to Friday. you were talking about William Perkins for the Puritan. No. So we come out of Perkins and my little girl who's five goes running on ahead of us down the to sidewalk the toward. No, no. Yeah, <laughs> that's already happened. She goes running down the sidewalk toward the, the drive, right? In that moment, any good parent would say what? Stop. Stop. No, no, no. Any good parent would say, go. Do what you want. Be your true self. Yeah. Get run over by cars. Right. But that's what the world, that's what the culture wants us to believe today. That's the loving thing. So if we see someone running toward destruction, if we truly believe that's taking place, which the gospel would say, then the the loving thing would be. So I think that I think the question of once again philosophy has come in. Why? Are we warning them because we want to set ourselves up, kind of parade our righteousness and be like, hey, you're you're not as good as me. Like you need to like, you know. Mm -hmm. Or are we warning them because we believe that like destruction is imminent and they're racing? Those are those are two different postures. Yeah, very, very different. Totally. One is legitimate, the other is illegitimate. And I think I think if you if once again, if we can be critical and are thinking enough as believers to present to somebody. So if somebody comes to me and goes, I just don't get why you Christians are like pushing your religion down people's throats. I'm right. like, hold on, hold on a second. What would you do if you saw someone, if you truly believe they were in imminent danger heading toward a precipice they're going to fall off of to their destruction, what would you do? Would, you would, just would sit love back be, hey, go for, go for it? Or would you? And I think if you can frame it that way and say, we really believe that there is imminent danger and condemnation and destruction coming. But then at least while they might not agree with uh, where you land, that there is imminent danger, at least they can begin to understand why we're so vigorous in our presentation of this. And I think it'd be really easy for 99% of the people that argue about this on Facebook with Christians to be like, you don't actually care. I'm running <laughs> that, towards that, destruction. That, that, you that, don't that, actually love me. And that's why you're having this conversation. That, that comes, I mean, like, I, I've that's been... the answer. The answer is that's why people hate Christians. No, because Facebook is the fake. perfect place to have exactly. dialogue it's like, and patience if you can't, and nuance. You should ask yourself that question, which I think we can transition into, and we can keep talking about other things. There actually is one more kind of thing I want to talk about, but... At the end, we're going to talk about how Christians should and shouldn't respond 
to these legitimate and illegitimate reasons hmm. for the hate. And I think I want to circle back to, if you can't think in your head, yes, the reason I'm having this discussion with this person is because I love them and I don't want them to run off the cliff to hell that I believe is real, even if they don't, then don't have the conversation with them. Because if you're having it with them to win an argument, make them feel bad, make yourself feel good, don't have it with them. Yeah. Or it makes that, them look good. That, that discussion about Christ and about being a Christian is actually totally wrong because of the purpose behind it's it. It's all just about you. Look, right. Those all, words don't right. matter. This right. all comes down to, I think all, like when I was thinking about this this week, this whole conversation comes down to the issue of standard. Like meaning the standard to which you, the listener, watcher, we submit ourselves in life. Meaning why do we believe what we believe? And the problem, and I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to pitch up a straw man or, uh, you know, set ourselves up as anything other than what we are. But Christians, true Bible-believing Christians, like true Christians, I'm not talking about- Look like look, Ned Flanders. Look, I, I don't know about these guys. They're much more loving and compassionate than I am. I hate, Just if you're kidding, watching, you're like, kidding. I hate the Christians who are fake Christians. So do I. Like, I can't stand them. Like, it, it drives me insane. Nothing worse. It drives like, me, it drives me insane. Worse. It's some misrepresentation, okay? But um, they're the Benedict Arnold. Of religion, like they're they're saying one thing and they're completely betraying the faith. So I'm with you on that. But all of us are submitting ourselves to a standard for Christians, true Bible believing Christians. We're submitting ourselves, and this is really important. We're submitting ourselves to a standard outside of us. We're not the ones who determine, and yet we're the ones most often accused of narrow mindedness, arrogance. That was going to be my you know, next one. Yes, I mean, close minded, yeah, narrow yeah, minded. Why are we like that? And we're going, we're going. No, no, no. I'm, I am not. Now, some Christians, once again, if you're watching, there's some, some air quotations there. Some quote unquote Christians don't really submit themselves to this external standard. It's still about what they want to believe and what they feel is right. And Trump or Biden, and they're the king, and whatever. I don't know. But true Christians, what Jesus says and what Scripture reveals to us is what we submit ourselves to. So we're, I'm laying aside. My natural proclivities, my natural intuitions, uh, my feelings and saying, no, I submit all of that to this higher standard. And so the question comes, if you're not a Christian, what are you submitting yourself to? And if you can answer and say, honestly, it's just myself. I'm the, I'm the one who dictates what's right and wrong and good and evil. And I mean, hopefully you're not as fickle as the culture is submitting yourself to the culture because that changes like, current like every and month. Trendy. Yeah. Um, and so what is right and wrong? What is good and evil in the world? And, you know, hopefully you have the eyes to see, hey, it's far more arrogant for me to be the arbiter of what's right and wrong than for me to submit myself to a proven standard, CR, why we trust the Bible podcast, a proven uh -huh. standard of what's right and wrong. And so just keep that in mind, because once again, the arrows that fly at Christianity, oftentimes they fall pretty harmless because the, the indictment is arrogance. And yet we're saying, no, 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 it's not. I get they're arrogant, once again, quote right. Christians, like, I get that. But I'm talking, if we're truly walking in accordance with scripture, the humility is to come under the banner of Jesus, submit ourselves to what he states is true and right. And that that's far less arrogant than me setting myself up as the bastion of good and evil, right and wrong. Yeah, it's good. I mean, we said earlier, people don't apply the rules they apply to Christians with disgust to themselves. I mean, they could hate our religiosity, but what they don't get is they're just as religious about their own viewpoints as we are about ours. And so, yeah, they, they may sh shoot an arrow like you're talking about, but on, on their back, they got a quiver full of their own, you know? So 
So and what would you say kind of, because I think we're kind of already answering this too, that Christians are so close-minded or narrow-minded, they don't even think about what other people believe or that it could be right. What is the response to that legitimate or illegitimate hate for Christians for that reason? I think it's, I think it could be both. once again, intellectually, because I get that if you're shooting at Christians, you're not going to be, you know, biblically driven. So intellectually, I think, I think there has to be an understanding of um, what, what am I standing on to fire this weaponry? Like what platform am I standing on? Like I loved, um, Doug Wilson has for a long time when he's debating atheists, he'll say, you know, just, just they'll, they'll argue, you know, for example, the atheist will argue, uh, the massacre of the Amalekites in the old Testament, stuff like that. And Wilson will always say, Hey, the only way that you can argue that that's even a problem is to get in the Christian car because you don't have a car of your own to drive. You don't have a platform of your own to stand on. Who says fi- that's right? Or yeah. Wrong. Who says that's right? Who? Hey, what's wrong with mastering an entire group of people? Unless you submit yourself to a standard, because if, if you're the standard track with me, like if you're the standard, you might say that's right or wrong, but then Adam doesn't have to agree with you. That doesn't have to be his standard. And so that only works as problematic, as evil, if there is an overarching standard that would say that's wrong or that's right. And so I think that that is, that is the issue that exists is it's so easy to go, you're hateful. Well, by what definition? Like, like how are we describing, you know, hate? Like what standard are we submitting to when it comes to hate in your opinion, according to your feeling? Like I'm not loving, like. Or is there a standard of beauty, absolute beauty, a standard of absolute truth, a standard of absolute right, absolute wrong, uh, absolute hate, absolute love, that now we are ascribing, hey, you're falling short of this, or you're meeting the definition of this. So I think that there has to be intellectual consistency, which is just absent, especially on Facebook. There has to be intellectual consistency if we're going to have legitimate, robust conversations and even arguments around these things. And I think that's very much lacking in my challenge to people, Christian or not, would be think as we argue and debate. Think more than in just 240 characters. All right. So now getting to the response. Yes. So I think it's important to talk about what Christians should do and how they should respond to this. But I think we should start with what they should not do. What should Christians not do because of hate, whether it's legitimate or not legitimate from society, from culture, from whoever? They should not hate in return. Okay. Like Paul says, they should not repay evil with evil, but beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on their head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. But no, but he's not talking about when somebody disagrees with you on Facebook. Oh, it's a, no, it's he's a, talking about when somebody does something hatred. bad for you. That's what he's talking it's about. It's kind of hatred. I, well, that is exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about when somebody, when your enemy maybe makes you look stupid or says something that if people don't understand, you'll look bad. You don't have to be nasty back. Yeah. You can respond yeah, you if you not. want to. Don't be you nasty. Yeah. Uh, you can respond if you want to, but there's a way to respond, you yeah. know? And I think hating and doing the same exact thing and slinging mud, everybody looks like pigs. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, if you listen to the podcast or you come to Building 28, you know, like, I think Christians should, I really think we shouldn't argue until we know the answer to why there's just too much of, this is what you need to believe. And then people go, why? And too many Christians just go, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, why? Like, like, just because that's what I believe or that's what I grew up believing. Now we're, we're arguing from a shifting platform too. 
And so knowing why, once again, we've tried on this podcast to help with that. Like, why do we trust the Bible? Why do we submit ourselves to the Bible? We just did that podcast. You can go back and listen to it. If you haven't checked out, check it out. Um, why do we submit ourselves to these things? Why do we believe in the resurrection? Why do we believe in substitutionary atonement? Like, why do, why do we hold to these beliefs that drive our, the behaviors that we're supposed to be driven from? Why are we a people of love? Like, we, we more than any other people should be a people of legitimate, uh, genuine driven from a true banner definition of love. That's what we should be known for because we have a reason to be known for that. Like we have, what's we have the reason? The, the reason is he first loved why? us. He, fir he, he first loved us. And so we are to love by this. Will all men know that you're my disciples Yeah. by the amount of intellectual theological information you have? No, but by like the love that you demonstrate for one another. Now, once again, that love can be really bastardized because it can become Love means you just tell me I can do whatever I want. And that's once again, true. Soft not, soap. Yeah. Not love. Like love is, is lo love is intervention. Love right? has teeth. Yeah. Love, love is intervention. But I think we do need to know like, Hey, why do we believe these things? Like, why do we want other people to believe them? Why are we going after souls? Like all that. And then, you know, on the heels of that, obviously what, like, what do we believe? And, but I think we need to know, like, there's an absence of knowing why. Um, something is is supposedly near and dear to us. And so I, I also like one of the things that the culture has done today that we need to avoid, and this gets back to what you were just saying, Powers, is culture has said, I disagree with you ideologically. Therefore, I hate you yeah. personally. Right. Christians, unfortunately, have gone, well, I don't want to hate you. So therefore, I won't tell you that I disagree with you. Or they start say the same thing. They yeah. start bending the knee. Yes. Right. Yeah. So the right response is, hey, like, I love you. I, lo I actually love you enough that, like, truth is important. Like, that's been a bastion of society, healthy societies for generations. Like, truth is important enough. But because I love you, or in the face of my love for you, in kindness, this is wrong. Like, mm -hmm. this ideological pursuit is wrong. I cannot subscribe to that belief. That is harmful. Let me show you why it's harmful as best as I can, as best as I can understand biblically, logically, scientifically, whatever. I mean, that's really what it comes down to is being kind, not belligerent, like not the Trump brand Christianity, not shooting darts at everybody and trying to pick everybody apart because they're different than you, not trying to divide the social media uh, strategy, but rather presenting truth, presenting truth in kindness and sincerity. Yeah, I mean, I think that changing and just agreeing in order to not have people hate you or disagree with you and trying to just go with culture and wade those waters makes you more hypocritical, makes it spineless. worse, opens yourself up for more, yeah, spineless, and you're just, now you're going away from what you believe too, so you really right. have no foundation and nothing to stand in. Right. So that would be what not to do is just like say, okay, you're right, I'm with you, you know, I'll, I'll disregard my truth because then you're letting... Your daughter run into the parking lot like you like you said. Yeah. So Adam, then what would you say should be our response to people hating us legitimately and illegitimately? Because you're, most people are going to get both. Yeah. Romans 13 is really helpful here. It might not be the first place you'd think to go. It's, it's, it's where we are as a church up at Sunrise in our series through Romans right now. We just finished one to seven about how we, in regards to our governing authorities, what do we owe them? We owe them our submission. There's discussions to be had there and things like this, but that's what we owe our governing authorities. Well, that's verse one to seven. As Paul transitions from verse seven to verse eight, 
into the rest of Romans 13, he moves away from what we owe certain people in the state, our submission. Then he gets to verse eight and he says, here's what we owe all people in society, regardless of how they treat us, whether they respect us, whether they disrespect us, whether they hate us, whether they love us. Paul says in verse eight of Romans 13, the debt that we will never repay, that Christians are always to be paying out to everyone in society is a debt of love. Owe no one anything except to love each other for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. And so there's a lot to be said here, but the Christian's response in being hated is a Christ-like love. That's the answer. It's to not put forth our own agendas, but while we stand for the truth in grace, convictedly, we hold out mercy to the one who hates us. You know, Tertullian, right? Yeah. Okay. Church father. What does Athens have to do with... Jerusalem. I doubt I can quote that, but oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Tertullian was a church father <laughs> who was converted. I don't know if you know this by watching other Christians die for their faith. Yeah. Like, yeah. um, came to faith how they love each other. So you look at those first three centuries of Christianity when it was under severe persecution for a good 270 years. I mean, a rise and fall of persecution, but still, I mean, you Marcus Aurelius and Domitian and Diocletian, and, and there was a lot of Aspatian, there was a lot of. A lot of blood. A lot of bloodshed. Yeah. And what you see is like a great kind of glistening example of how we're supposed to live. They held hand in hand, like as the wild beasts were delivered upon them or the Roman gladiators were unleashed upon them. Men, women, um, I forget her name now, but there's this fascinating story about a young mother. I think she was 19 who went willingly into the gladiatorial arena, hand in hand with the other Christians singing the songs of Jesus. Um, no malice in their hearts, but yet unwilling to bow the knee to the emperor yeah. as, yeah. you know, Kaiser Curios, as Caesar's Lord. You no, know, they said, you know, we submit to him, we honor him as the ruling. As government. the office requires. But Jesus is Lord. Yeah. Like that's really, I mean, that is like the clearest picture I think that we get of where we're supposed to be on this. Yeah. Um, kindness, so, humility, grace, yeah. submission to our king. That's good. You look at Christianity, its worst moments in history is when Christians became combative. The Crusades, um, the Dark Ages, mm. where Christians became um, bloodthirsty and blood drunk. Um, when Christians served out of love and humility and grace, like, but without any compromise whatsoever, that's when the church, Christ was honored and the church just kind of exploded. Yeah. Um, they couldn't put it down. They kept trying to like stamp out Christianity. It just kept like thriving um, because uh, the message of truth bathed in love. Yeah. So, so when, when Christians are hated, it gets really messy when Christians respond to such hatred as the world is responding to them in hatred. It gets really God glorifying when they respond to such hatred in a Christ-like manner. Yeah. There's a lot more to be said. That's for sure. Yeah. But uh, if, you're, if you're getting to the end of this and you're like, I need an example, Adam Powers, just follow him on social media. He's the perfect example of how to do this thing. Um, <laughs> Are you even on social media? He seems like the type of guy that wouldn't so, even be so, on social so, media. Super, I do a lot of dad memes okay. on Superpowers there. 87. <laughs> Were you born in 87? I don't even know. I was born 83. 83. 83. 83. All right. Thanks oh for tuning gosh. in today, folks. Uh, hopefully you don't hate too many Christians for not good reasons. Uh, until next time, we'll see you guys soon. 
for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Odds is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about this show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.